So hello everyone, uh, welcome to IELTS Digital Reflection Podcast. I am Ali Nicol. I'm joined today by my colleague Jane, who's in the producer's box. And uh, I'm delighted to have with us as guests, Henry Fenby-Taylor from the Digital Twin Fan Club. Hi, Henry. Hi there. And Jonathan Eyre from AMRC. Jonathan, good to see you again. Good to see you again, Ali. Excellent. So this is actually a part two, which is exciting for us. There's, yeah, there's a serialization here um, of a talk about the, the metaverse that we started over on uh, the Digital Twin Fan Club uh, podcast. So nothing like a bit of cooperation uh, right from the get-go, even with the theme. And what we were looking at there, and please do go check it out. Uh, Jane will put all the links in the right places so that you can track it down. Um, but what we were talking about there is kind of what is the metaverse? What is good at like what it's for? And I'm going to rather cheekily come to Henry to try and summarize what was 45 minutes of Douglas Adams, Snow Crash, uh, the decline and fall of man, yeah, whatever else it might be. Uh, please do do check it out. But Henry, kind of, I think we we generally kind of coalesced around a common common concept of, of what we thought the metaverse might be. And uh, yeah, I, I think we did. I think we managed that because it, it is many things to many people, as we discussed. And I think as we went through the conversation, we realised that there is this need for a coming together of of spaces of people. So that they can work together and and have fun together and live their lives together, I think you raised the point uh, that it has to be a, a persistent space. So it's not just on and off um, when you turn on your computer or whatever. It's something that's always there. That it is, uh, in in a sense, an expansion on the human experience in the way that the internet and the web was. So that there there is a new opportunities for doing things in different ways, and it's not just a single technology it's not a single approach it's not vr goggles interacting it's not haptic it is similarly it's all of these things it's it's audio visual it's sensorial but it's also a place it is also potentially text-based and data-driven and so that it is these these many ways of bringing humanity together to solve new problems potentially um create new problems but also to experience their lives um, away from the, the shackles of, of temporality uh, and the physical place that we currently currently experience. But it exists in the real world, and the real world has laws, governments, special interests, and it's going to need to navigate those. I thought uh, a br brilliant summary of. of uh, I just wow! I can't believe I'm minutes. <laughs> But also, I, I wanted to pick up on on a point that each of you made on on that conversation, and because Henry, you touched on it there. One of the things that I really took from our previous conversation was this idea of it being bi-directional. That you know, there's a lot of kind of sci-fi about the metaverse where people are living humdrum, dull, uh, squalid lives, and then in the metaverse, they're a king. Uh, yeah, and that's where you flee to, and actually what what you were talking about was that feeding back to the real world and actually there are things that could happen in the metaverse that would positively influence the real world in terms of shared understanding cooperation between peoples and nations and and i think that was a really key theme that i'd like to pick up again here and the other on jonathan's side as you always are sir and and always so eloquent on the kind of well, why are we doing this like what what are you trying to achieve like don't don't come at this from a this is what technologically is possible like what is it we're about and if and i think maybe those two things 
kind of give us a little bit of a framework for this conversation in terms of um okay yeah, what what could it be for like what are we trying to trying to do what are we trying to solve how how might we enchant delight our lives how might we overcome issues kind of you know I, i'm always loath to say what's the use case because you know, what was the use case for the internet i mean it is entirely dependent on who you are and what you're for so rather than it being what's the killer use case what are some of the things that we think might be interesting or might be able to be explored or, or might be able to be looked at um if yeah i mean henry mentioned some of those there around well in the metaverse is going to be governance models or laws or policies that you've got to have in place but one of the key things that the metaverse doesn't need to have is physics so you've actually got this ability to have completely unconstrained physics and exploration so it could be a place for scientists and engineers to come together so you'll actually let's design things or let's explore what could be possible which could help invent new mechanisms new cures for diseases which could then come back and influence the real world i think that aspect of free-form fractal aspects of breakout rooms and whatever else is a real case and a strong drive towards having something that has that benefit there is a I, great I, example of that isn't there with um is it folding at home do you remember uh, i believe mm -hmm. it's an ongoing project but um, it gained popularity in the media during COVID because their uh, people were asked to give their computer processing power to this um, this algorithm, effectively, that was looking for ways to combat COVID. But there have also been other attempts um, in medicine to use the human brain, which is unparalleled in its ability to recognize patterns. and. At the moment, it's not a very um, easy system to work with. It's something that's extra and it's a hassle and it's a faff. But having this opportunity to plug human beings kind of their, in, their, in their purest sense into a problem, I think, could really uh, reap benefits that we've not even not even touched the sides of yet. I, I think that's brilliant. And I, I think one of the things about tapping into the human brain uh, and humans and their potential uh, from my side is that the way you both were describing that, I see is deeply cooperative rather than collaborative. So the way we generally have to work in the real world is like, we've only got a set amount of time. We've got to get everyone in around a table, whatever else it is. So what's the goal? What's the objective? How are we going to get there? Are we on track? You know, all of that kind of, okay, we'll share common vision, purpose, methodology. But actually, if you could bring people together, I'd love Jonathan kicking off with like, ignore, ignore the rules of physics. They don't need to exist glorious because you're already starting from we're not constrained and then henry you'll be like bring people together and just you you could see how you could just start adding right someone could come in with new information new context new insight whatever it is and say actually if you did this what about that what i'm seeing this pattern this is what I, glorious so i think it's really interesting i am uh really into gamification and i think gamification has the same issue that the metaverse has which is it meant one thing and it was taken to mean something else. So gamification is, in my mind, about user-centered design. Because there is a book in, uh, I think it's 1954, and I, I don't have the reference offhand, where they said they were saying, it's amazing. People have so much potential. You see how hard they work at improving their forehand in tennis. And you know, they will, they will, they will study, they will train. 
how do we bring that to bear on the real world problems that we're facing today? Because that's not the experience they have of the world. And I think that's that's kind of that's the big potential here is this how do we tap into real human potential? But then this same problem happened in the sense that gamification came to mean to a lot of people using game engines, doing things in 3D. Um, occasionally it means giving people badges for a job well done, having a leaderboard, um, which to me has never been the point about games. Um, so I think the metaverse has that opportunity for us to unlock that potential. As as I said, how do we how do we take that potential and and turn it into something real? And I think this is perhaps where we're going to start coming into the real world, where people have real commitments, real problems. I think one of the things that came out of COVID for me was that yes, we can all exist online. It is possible. But actually, sometimes it's better to be in a place together. But and and those two things are not the same right now. Yeah. Well, that flexibility in working. Well, I think that flexibility of working is something that, like you say, Henry, some people still like posting notes on a board when they're brainstorming ideas of how you start to bring stuff together and where you should go for a roadmap. And then other people still like to be well, let's do a mirror board or let's do all the technologies that are available. Let's do something <laughs> where we kind of have these spaces where we can throw stuff down virtually because it's easier for me to sit at home, have a coffee, all have my, your own desktop screen and just work together on board. So you can collect your ideas. Some people can splinter off and do something else and then you come back and reflect on it later. And, and people like to work in different ways. And I think just to add to one of Henry's points, something else that COVID has taught us is the flexibility. Some people with family commitments and whatever else need to work a couple of hours in an evening, and that works best for their family and their family unit. But other people just prefer the nine to five or just prefer my core hours. That's it. I like to switch on when I need to and switch off when I want to. And it's just that ability to work what best for you. And that's one thing that I do think these sorts of mechanisms and solutions are look towards is you can drop in and out. Yes, you'll still have scheduled times where you want to be online together, but then you've just got this environment where you can collaborate and work on problems or just chill out together i think as a society and then just ref do what you want to do i think i think there there's something in that in terms of you know the we there's the kind of hard factors about how you want to you know like i am constrained by childcare or whatever else it might be but there's also the soft factors and and, and i think there is something in that covid the rise of asynchronous working you know, much more so than before actually being more egalitarian in terms of how people's minds work. I mean, unsurprisingly, considering the format that we're having this conversation, I'm an extrovert. I don't really know what I'm going to say until I say it out loud. Like, I don't take any offense when people say you're wrong because I only just thought it. I haven't put that much investment in where I'm going next with this. Um, if you're an introvert, you'll need to process what's being discussed, go away, run through it, form an opinion, come back, present that contextualized. Is very different if the only way people work is get physically round a table and shout it out in terms of what the best idea is and what good looks like. So I I, I think that's and and actually I do think that ways of working. I mean, it's not a desperately sexy to your point, Henry, about gamification. It's not the oh yeah, Ready Player One. We got flying cars and the DeLorean is shooting past Godzilla and whatever else it is. But actually, in terms of purity of what could it 
be and enable what is when you ignore the physics of having to come together actually what could the metaverse do for us in terms of ways of working and ways of getting to to good results is a really interesting use case not the only one but a really interesting use case so i'm going to bring it to construction i'm sorry built environment okay. <laughs> but there was a a vision um and it was called bim level three um and it BIM Level 2 formed what became the Information Management Mandate, effectively, which is a requirement to collaborate. A requirement. You are required to play nicely, please. Please. <laughs> Even whether it's in or in contracts or not. Um, but the next step of that was this vision that felt really unrealistic at the time that we could actually there is there's more than one version of the truth in the sense of there are 3000 pdfs sitting on a cloud uh, you know sitting in a in a data center somewhere we're talking about there is actually one form of the truth if we are designing a uh, a, a building uh, the new gherkin or the new shard etc the opportunity to actually really design together in real time I think is from my experience it, that asynchronicity when you don't know it's happening when it's just some sort of ethereal pdfs appear in a in, in a in a database you don't really kind of get the understanding of what's happening in terms of where they are in their thinking how they are how far along they are whether or not their inputs and and the sorts of the constraints and the other people they need to collaborate with whether their thoughts have and, and designs and etc have been brought together that doesn't really doesn't really work in in bim level two it, it still is the existing process digitized much better but it's not a reimagining of how we create our built environment and i think that's where again sitting on the manufacturing fence slightly <laughs> is it may go wrong in, in some respects where you don't have the ability to splinter off if you're always looking for a single source of truth yes you've got your mainstream of this is the understanding of the house but you need the ability to flex off and go well you know what let's reevaluate one of our assumptions or let's just kind of go off and explore something and report back into the main group that we've done something and it's something that software development does well to an extent with git and kind of branching structures and doing pull requests and all that good stuff but they don't really caption is where some of the sort of data models breaks down is how that evolves over time and that ability to reflect on these things of well what happens in what in what sequence actually matters um so if you get an assumption in sooner rather than later there's there's always that benefit of well making sure everybody else is aware of that assumption and that may affect the models that they produce um, and there's always that sort of cost benefit curve of well if you do everything virtually sooner then it will be better. But I think actually, you, you, with certainly Metaverse and what it's getting towards, it's where they want to do everything virtually first. Yes, it is where manufacturing is trying to get towards, but you do have the thing of, well, if you're only then considering stuff virtually, you do need to get some in constraints there around human factors or kind of spatial constraints of well, once it does enter back into the real world, what are all of these effects that we've just designed virtually going to mean when we do something physically? I think that's fascinating. And I think that um, 
it's one of the natures of anything twin related i guess is those dualities and so on but I, I think there are i think there are two pieces here henry the 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 fact that it's doing different things not just doing things differently like vim level two was a different way of the same process happening more yeah, it's about efficiency it's about digitization but it's not doing different things and actually similarly john from my perspective i agree with that it's less about a single source of truth than it is about an ability to share understanding like information and context so right now i need to share with you what's going on what i'm doing like is this the reality a simulation an emulation an experimentation you know is this right now today or is this what it was two and a half years ago is this what it's going to be in 10 years time you know what are the factors involved and that that sharing of context and pieces and it feels like some of the technologies we're looking at might give us the ability to to do that and i think uh, and and apologies i'm i'm going to stray from your very uh, realistic I I examples that oh, one of one of the things that drives me absolutely mad about visions of the metaverse at the moment is taking all of the limitations that we do have and taking them online. Yeah, so you can experience a pop concert. God, pop concert. How old do I sound? You can experience a music event uh, in the metaverse. So we've created a virtual stadium with all the same issues of, I literally looked at one of these the other day, you have to go through turnstiles to get in. Like, there are premium seats and the seats up in the gods and it's like hold on all of these things exist because people try to overcome the physical limitations of how many people you could pack into a physical building to watch a band and still charge them 75 quid a pop like why would that be the experience you would have of a concert why why would i not be able to sit directly in front of dave grohl and have him play just to me um yeah. or alternatively if i wanted walk, it walk around and see what's going on rather than yeah. i could just imagine somebody creating a metaverse stadium where there is a seat that has a pillar in front of it <laughs> <laughs> i can i can imagine that yeah oh, it, it, like, oh yeah that's why that's one that's cheap it's like yeah but i could just listen on spotify surely or why am i doing this well and and a, an example that was flagged to me the other day was actually about diminished reality which sounds terrible but I was fascinated by it, which was the notion that if bits of the metaverse genuinely bled into the real world, so so I know last time we spoke, we were talking about the limitations of AR and VR, but say that those were technologically overcome, that actually you don't need to clutter our built environment, for example, with lots of signs and information and guidance and so on. If you can instead overlay some of that information and have some of that bleed about how people want to navigate spaces and uh, uh, you know come in so that you don't need to it doesn't need to look like transmetropolitan and it's all adverts everywhere all the time the built environment may actually become cleaner greener because you don't need to have physical things existing simply to say you go left here now or right yeah. here if you want something else I, uh, Apart from them, they'll know all about your shopping habits and what they what you like doing. So all the adverts will definitely be tailored yeah, to you when yeah, they're stalking yeah. all of your personal information. When I was, uh, I think I was about 11 or 12, I invented on paper um, road signs on the floor, you know, the arrows that say this is left. It would say, you go left here. And this is the sort of thing of a personalized experience. We, we are certainly saying driving a car. It, it is. Um, becoming increasingly difficult, I think, for governments and governance to manage the rules. 
don't be drunk don't be high you know don't be impaired that's okay like we can deal with that but don't be distracted is a little bit different because having a map is okay having a map on your phone is okay looking at your phone is not okay but if your phone do you see what i mean there's this kind of slight contradiction in how we interact with this with the world around us using technology that it isn't really being dealt with and i feel that there is the opportunity here for that to take away some of the dangers of the real world as well as you know the problems that physically creating all of these um all of these many adverts etc um you know and and spending resources on these things could could overcome isn't that interesting the actual line on where it's okay is where it's relatable to the previous process so a map is okay a digital map is okay you're on your sat nav a digital map on your phone is okay your phone that's no longer linked back to the physical map that we remember that used to be okay is now a problem mm. yeah and and using your phone as a camera at a tourist spot is okay using your phone to communicate with other people via text about the world is is perceived as being a problem and you're not really engaging with reality even if you were sharing and communicating with lots of people around the world about the glorious emotions you're experiencing in that in that space in that that somehow that you're distancing separate but we don't necessarily feel the same about cameras because we've had cameras for decades and yeah obviously you take a picture of a beautiful sunset or or whatever else leaving terapeza leaving terapeza yeah i have not done that by the way and uh i i might just have to photoshop myself uh, in <laughs> circumstances it, it, it is amazing I, but that makes me think of the um another idea that uh young henry had was um the ability to go i am really in love with uh, ancient greece and ancient rome and their history and you go there um and there are places now in the middle east that have been destroyed by by wars and uh, most of these things are completely ruined and you have to really use your imagination to see what's there is there not an opportunity here for us to, in many ways, overlay what was in a way, as well as what could be and what is right now? We could see a more complete view of, of the world through time using using the metaverse. Are we are we are we too are we going too um, AR XR VR? Well, I, I, I was at, no. well, I was actually thinking that to to you know you you mentioned education. Jonathan mentioned experimentation. Actually, if you could do it more cooperatively, you could do those historical. I mean, there are people who, brilliant people, who do reenactment stuff for educational purposes, right? You can go to Iron Age villages where where people live it and do it and be it and and um, I can't remember the name of the legion, but you know, there's a very famous Roman Roman legion. There's obviously also the 501st Star Wars legion if you want to go into the realm of sci-fi. But yeah, people that reenact and live these. these while people are also doing uh, archaeological recreations of, you know, how did the Romans do bridges? How did they cure concrete underwater? Like, how can that actually could you recreate Rome, not just in the way that it might be done, might have been done this year or five years ago, which would be quite a clean, sanitized 
this is the end product you know rome in 21 ad and this and this is what it looked like and so on but that lacked the human element of yeah but what was it like to live there and how would people have sold and bought and transacted and actually could the metaverse provide that environment where those that wanted to see how to build what was there could play an experiment and those that wanted to live it and show it and those that wanted to be tourists in the past could could come and experience it as a visitor to rome or carthage or, or wherever i think what you're saying there Dolly, is that some experiences are still going to be be at that location so you can experience the battle of hastings at the location of the battle of hastings um and you can feel like you're there so if you're looking at medieval kitchen life well go to a castle and where the kitchen was so you can actually see it in context and experience it while whilst you're at that location of the spatial constraints around you yes you could still do it fully virtual but there's still these National Trust English Heritage locations where they want you to experience it better. And how many people actually read every single green billboard um, and board on the site other than looking, oh, there's a nice drawing there that gives me an understanding, but they're not getting the full experience. Or the people who did want to experience it more aren't getting everything that they could possibly get out of it. And wouldn't some of the technologies that we're talking about, wouldn't it allow that to not be a binary choice? Yes. To, to your binary, yeah, like, yeah, is, is it AR, VR, metaverse, virtual? Well, couldn't it be all of them? Like, can, can you, know, if you can physically get to Hastings, actually, I have no idea whether the Battle of Hastings is actually at Hastings, showing my, or, or whether it was like 20 miles down the road. And it's one of those peculiarities of history, but you could get physically to the battle site. If you can be there, yeah, then you can experience it. But equally, you could have people that wanted to participate, for example, in real time, but who weren't physically proximate, who lived somewhere else in the world. You could, you could have, you could go and experience it entirely virtually, entirely, uh, entirely, or or in you know just see later on the outcome and how it changed and what it looked like and so on. I think that would be um, amazing, and I think that um, this almost comes back to our our point about um, meetings in person, meetings online. The different needs of different people at different times, that the opportunity of the metaverse is to just blend those things. Like you say, we're bringing things, just bringing things and people closer together. There is, however, a concern that I have from time to time that pops up in my head. Um, I was talking to somebody, I think National Highways were looking at a, a no-sign road and I thought that's a great idea. I love the idea of a clutter-free road. That sounds wonderful. But do I have to buy that? Do I have to buy the thing that lets me see that? And if so, are we going to inadvertently create inequality in our future future world if the tools and the mechanisms, the the actual interfaces that we need cost big money? I, I think that I think that's a a great point, and I think that we've seen already a digital divide. I mean, it's one of the big things that came up. You know, we've mentioned COVID already on this conversation. That you know, there were real concerns in the education sector that the kind of yeah, yeah, just use your computer. You, know, you can you can log in, you can join a, a Zoom call. Other web conferencing facilities are available. Uh, yeah, you you. To, 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 to copy Jonathan but yeah you know, and it was like yeah but there is you know 
even if that family has a computer, they have one computer and you've currently got every member of the family is being asked to use it for their job, for education, for study, whatever else it might be. Um, and that the, the actual access points become barriers, I think is a very real concern and something that requires not only a kind of technological what could be done, but a question asked often, I think, in technology, much more rarely is what should be done you know how how much mm. should you have to be in this space to experience it or to experience the benefits and how much could that could that be something that enables people and then you've also got the lag of technology being rolled out so yes you may for highways roll out on new vehicles and mandate it of all british bought cars must have this system in place but then you've got 20 years worth of legacy cars and classic cars that people still like to lot drive around on, which they're going to have to either retrofit or not be able to drive on anymore. And it is how does that affect everything else going off? We're talking cost, aren't we? It, it, it's going to cut that costs money, and it's not. It, it's a. It's an idea that is about almost in a, in a way it's reducing costs and increasing quality, but it. it there's you know there is a cost to that and you know we've got to manage that mm -hmm. and i think a big part of it and obviously i'd say this but from my side but a big part of it also is is ensuring that you recognize the reality of the real world when you're building the virtual so the reason i bang on about cooperation rather than collaboration is because if you try and build systems on the basis that like oh at some point we're all going to agree we're all going to agree to use the same language we're all going to agree to use the same approach and you're sat there going that's clever how are we going to get there? I mean, we haven't got there in any way with our cultural language, like you know, with our actual spoken language, our written language. There are multiple versions of sign language. Why, why do you think we're somehow going to reach a utopia and all use one language? And on the same basis, you know, a lot of the stuff around, and Jonathan, you and I were talking about this a while ago, EV chargers has exactly the point we were talking about. It's like, yeah, so when it's a greenfield site and everyone has an electric car, this is what the road network will need to look like. This is what the infrastructure will need to look like. So all tractors are going electric. Everyone's, everyone who currently has a classic car will have to sell up and move on. Like, you know, we need to recognize the the fractured, dis, you know, <laughs> disorganized, messy reality of the world and say, okay, how do we incrementally move forward? And and, mm. and what are those increments? You know, what are the steps? You know, the, the vision of everything being something is one thing but how do we start moving in that direction yeah. so i i think number one we have to accept complexity and i, I it's, a, it's a lovely phrase i've been tossing out in meetings to confuse people um but i mean it, it is complex and we can't rationalize it into a neat soundbite the world is complex so having one file format to rule them all having one language to rule them all having one ring to rule them all isn't practical on a day-to-day -day basis. Um, and we need to get better at creating those interfaces and creating those the, the openness to enable others to interact with us. And they, in turn, need to have that ability for us to interact with them. Because there is a financial benefit for that. You know, we we're talking about in the previous episode on the Digital Twin Fan Club podcast episode, we were talking about interoperability and uh, what is required there. And I think that question for me, how we approach that is the big one in my mind with all these different platforms, approaches, angles, views, like you say, Ali, it's 
it will reflect the real world and the real world is not singularly universal it might be easier for a, a, a science fiction writer to <laughs> say oh and the people from this planet were like that because you know no, we don't have the headspace to sit down and create these massive worlds but in reality the world is going to continue to be complex and different and pursuing different ways and with completely different suppositions about what is normal and okay. I think the big difference there as well is that these worlds already exist. And so where a writer can just go, I'm not going to flesh out that law much because I don't need to. Um, it's it's enough of a painted picture to, if it's in the distance, it doesn't matter. Um, the moment that you want it to be equally accessible and available to the people who want to be able to access it, they were already a complex system before you even get started. Yeah, very much so. I think that's uh, so important in terms of like, so I, I love accepting complexity. Like just like it, it is the reality. It and is as real. a result, like m move forward with intent, you know, rather than waiting for it to all work itself out and become clean and fix itself. And then we'll be able to, solve this problem or you know once we can get everyone to agree we'll be able to come up actually can you start incrementing forward and and the biggest thing for me on the incrementing forward is and again to steal wildly from jonathan's comments on the digital twin fan club uh, part one of this conversation is is well what what do you want to do you know uh, henry you said about not just recreating the way it's done and uh, and you're kind of doing different things and I use this example in a conversation with you previously, but I went to a conference that they decided to make virtual so that more people could attend it. So they built a, a model of a conference hall. And in order to navigate through the conference hall, you had to get your little avatar to walk down through conference halls, past all of the, the meeting spaces and the hallways. And it was like, right, you've successfully virtualized the dullest bit of a conference. Yes. I mean, walking down the, the Excel center <laughs> in, in London, it takes, it takes a lot of time. And I've got to say that's my least favorite part of, of the conference, yeah. um, except for people watching, which is nice. But we're not recreating that aspect. It seems to be putting the horse before the cart in a way. Perhaps I would enjoy walking down that conference site. And there could be adverts there for me, et cetera, et cetera, because I'm, I'm people watching, but I'm not people watching. I'm just I'm holding W on a key as I am walking over a a single rectangle that is the floor plane to get it's just adding complexity. No, it's not that's not complexity. That's adding barriers for the sake of it, in my mind. And and the second piece that it flagged for me is that you could only manifest in one way. So the complexity of the real world is also, I believe, manifesting the complexity of the individuals you know so we've spoken about interoperability in terms of the portability of my ability you know my ability to go from ancient rome to somewhere far off and amazing to the microcosm to whatever else but also i hate to break it to you i don't want ali nickel to manifest the same everywhere you know my my existing digital footprint um isn't the same on LinkedIn as it is on Twitter, is on Facebook, is on Instagram, is on Hinge or you know, whatever else. 
and and so how do we start allowing people to say well this is how i want to appear here i mean jonathan you mentioned it from the advertising perspective yeah do i do i want my driving experience to be conditioned by how i shop for food or goods or comic books like how do, how do we start that process of of identity well i think there's two challenges there is one just the well you could turn left here um but if you took the next left you'd be at sainsbury's which you like to shop at um and then you've got the other aspect of even when you have technology available so in manufacturing you have data management systems called lifecycle management and they now have the ability to automatically visualize 3d environments of the product that you're designing at any point in time how often do they get used by engineers collaboratively working together to try and solve problems probably less than you might speak so that might think so actually, even when the technology is available for those people to have do better at their job and do better and produce better quality products, they may not even be utilized. So what is that barrier for how things should get consumed? Yeah, I think that's a, I think there's, we're getting, I think we're getting better at accepting change in how we interact with the world and certainly this idea that school is now replaced by school but via video just isn't didn't didn't really work it didn't really work and also there's this different level of um maturity because the uh there are lots of very amusing examples that i found online where kids and students would um break the system where you know they would loop a video or you know they would put their video off and then put it on and you know they got really really good at bunking off you know and this is almost that's what they were gamifying they were gamifying bunking off work so they got really good at video conferencing so they're gonna you know they were running rings around teachers who were not in every instance the, the most digitally capable and didn't know how to cope frankly because it was a huge stress on teachers as well on how to cope with that situation and, and what to do about it and i i think that i think there's something very interesting there about i i i heard those stories and rather than thinking the technology has failed thinking god aren't people brilliant like <laughs> uh, like like you know this this is yeah, we didn't give up on school like the 19th century or 20th century version of school because kids bunked off or worked out how to game teachers or whatever. We're like, okay, great. They're, like, there's something here then about the nature of the piece and about the nature of their complexity. Yeah, you know, accepting the complexity that you can't. You know, in the same way you you, did, you know, truancy has existed since school existed. Like, you know, okay, well then, what? How do we deal with that? How do we look at it? How do we engage people better? How do we delight them better? might might be part of it and and a similar response i guess jonathan's your piece on that well why aren't people engaging with it like you know like why isn't it delightful why isn't why isn't it the thing that you want to do that you have to do because you see the potential of it uh are big questions and i think that um we're, we're coming up to time here and i think that um i'll just ask for for final thoughts in terms of you know where next for the metaverse and and the challenges um, from you both. And Henry, I'll come to you first. So I think the technological bar is always rising, and I'm going to quote Douglas Adams. Um, any invention 
created in the first third of your life is just a natural and normal part of the world. Any Anything created or invented in the second third of your life is wonderful and is going to revolutionize how the world works and it's going to change everything. And any invention created in the last third of your life is an abomination against nature. <laughs> <laughs> Love that quote. I've never heard that before. It's a great Douglas Adams quote. Because I think how people experience technology and how they're learning and how they're growing is changing. And I think that was certainly true then. And perhaps it will remain true, but I'm optimistic that as we get more adaptable because we're freer and we're more able to engage with things that perhaps we can maybe skip some of those later stages. Brilliant. Jonathan? I think reflecting on some of the early conversation around learning what we've already learned again and, and that knowledge capture of what are we trying to look towards. Um, I was having a conversation the other day around Egyptian uh, civilization was the only civilization to have uh, archaeologists for their previous civilization that they'd already forgotten about and um, because their society is so old. Um, and just making sure that, look, if there are already, already things that exist around how manufacturing new product lifecycle management or how built environments are using BIM for the sort of me and Henry being on this call, or if there's things that we already know work well, work with what works well and incrementally move forward because otherwise it's going to be a big bang, it'll never work, and the value just won't be there and it'll collapse. I, I think that's fantastic. I think I think this this focus on intent, on value, on recognizing that you know quite i was told a lot when i was at school it's nothing new under the sun yes douglas Adams, adam's view of the world is there um but we need to increment we need to move forward we need to drive forward and i think across the two parts that we've done it and if you haven't heard part one do go to the digital twin fan club and check out part one uh, of what i think has been a fascinating conversation um i think we see that there is something here there, you know the metaverse isn't just hype there's something here and there's something that could have a reciprocal benefit to the real world that would be truly transformational but we have to go about it in the right way absolutely definitely awesome jonathan henry thank you very much jane thank you for keeping us the time uh, and uh, i look forward to speaking to you all again soon thanks take care everyone. cheers Bye.